Hey, well, welcome to Online Church, everybody. Uh, wherever you're watching from this morning, it's good to be with you. And uh, my privilege to continue speaking to you about the series we're in, which is our theme for 2022, Step Into the Flow. Um, so I want to go to Psalm 133 this morning, and, and here's what it says. Psalm 133 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren or the brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Running down on the edge of his garments, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. You might want to say that at home with me right now. Say life forevermore. Life forevermore. And so this is a super well-known scripture all about unity, the blessing that comes out of unity. And I want to speak to you a little bit about unity this morning because if we are to flow into all that God has for us, uh, if this river of God coming out of our lives, coming out of our church is to increase in strength and, uh, and its impact upon the world, if it's to ultimately reach the Dead Sea and bring transformation to those things that are dead, uh, one of the keys is going to be for us to walk in unity. And unity is an amazing thing. Unity uh, really relates to so many areas of our lives. Of course, we want to have unity in our church, but uh, much more than that, we want to have unity in our marriages. Uh, we want to have unity in our families. Uh, we want to have unity in our workplaces, wherever you're called to work. Uh, unity is a tool that God blesses. And um, I've got some thoughts this morning I want to share with you. Some of them actually glean from Pastor Mark Verrickey. He's a great friend of this church who has a great revelation on uh, unity. And I want to share a few of those thoughts this morning. But I like the way he puts it. He says this, Unity is not what we do uh, when we cut ourselves and we run to the bathroom medicine cabinet and we get out a plaster and we slap it on in the hope that it's going to heal it. In other words, unity is not a reaction to something that's gone wrong. Unity is what attracts the blessing of God and it actually multiplies what God is able to do in and through us. And so, you know, unity, it says here, that, you know, pretty amazing. Here's, here's what the blessing of unity is. It, it, at the end of verse 3, it says that unity releases the blessing life forevermore. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Life forevermore. Um, you know, our mission statement as a church is to equip people for life through faith in Jesus Christ. So we want people to experience the life of Jesus every day that actually brings blessing to their lives. Well, well unity is a way of us tapping into life forevermore. That's an amazing statement, life forevermore. And I think it's really talking about abundant life. Abundant life, that's what Jesus came to bring us. Um, life that was not just contained to a small section of who we are, but actually it would be so powerful, so great, that it would overflow and it would be powerful absolutely everywhere. Um, you know life when you experience it. Um, how many of you have ever walked into a meeting 
into an environment, into a restaurant, into a church service, I don't know, into a party, into a concert, and you've walked in and you've thought to yourselves, man, this place is dead. Like, there's nothing going on here. There's no vibe. Uh, there's no atmosphere. You know, it just feels flat. It feels like nothing's happening. But then maybe you can imagine or remind yourself of a time you walked into an environment and, you know, it was like popping. It was something was happening. There was atmosphere. Uh, there was joy. Uh, there was happiness. And in a way, that's what life feels like. When you encounter life, it's something that is attractive to people. People want to be part of it. And so the blessing of unity, the Bible says, is that there would be life forevermore. And so this morning, I know, uh, or whatever time you're watching this, I know that you want to experience that. You want to experience life forevermore. What else does it say? It, it says this amazing thing. It says, it says it's like the oil that runs down the beard of Aaron and then continues to flow the whole way down. So just picture for a moment someone in your mind with a big beard and a long robe. It's a bit of an unusual picture. That's what the Bible chooses to explain it to us like. And imagine a great big vat of oil being poured on the top of that person's head and this oil starting to flow. And the oil doesn't remain on the head. The oil pours the whole way down, down the beard, over the shoulders, down the waist, down through to the edges of this garment. And it's a picture that actually, though Jesus is the head of the church, uh, the anointing that is upon Jesus' life and the, and the blessing and the life that's in Jesus is not meant to be reserved for a few, it's meant to flow everywhere. In fact, maybe some of you can remember the amazing story of the woman with the issue of blood in the New Testament. And here's a woman who has had an issue of bleeding for many, many years. And um, she's defiled in a way in, in front of her peers, and um, she's unclean uh, according to the law. And she comes and she knows if she can touch Jesus, she'll be healed. And so she reaches out and she touches him, but she doesn't touch his head, she doesn't touch his beard, she touches the hem of his garment. And when she touches the hem of his garment, she is miraculously healed in that moment. So pretty, it's a pretty cool story. And here's the point. Jesus wasn't just anointed on his head. His whole body was anointed. All she had to do was touch some part of his body and she would get healed. And I believe it's a bit of a prophetic picture for us as the church today. It's like it's not just the head that's anointed. It's not just the pastor that's anointed. It's not just the senior leader that, that's anointed. But actually, God wants his entire body, the body of Christ, to be anointed. So, he, so he's looking for the children's ministry, the kids' team to be anointed. He's looking for the creative team to be anointed. He's looking for the greeters uh, to be anointed. He's looking for people working the online chat box this morning to be anointed. The prayer ministry team to be anointed. The venue team, the car park team to be anointed. I want you to picture this morning a church that is full of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, 
full of power, full of authority, ready to see amazing things happening. And can you imagine a church where people get healed uh, by watching online? Can you imagine a church where people get healed or set free simply as they step on to the premises? Why? Because the anointing isn't just resting on the head. The anointing is flowing everywhere. And I believe at Quippers Church, that's what God has for us, an anointing that flows everywhere. But the key is for us to live in unity. Unity. Now, here's the thing about unity. Um, unity is a funny thing because we can unify around a number of different things. Um, we can unify around our past. We can unify around where we've been. You know, come on, how many of you ever been in a conversation or overheard a conversation with somebody saying, do you remember in the good old days? Or do you remember back when? Do you remember when we used to do this or we used to do that? And we're unifying around where we've been. And another word for that is called nostalgia. We're on a nostalgia trip. And I want to say, let's not unify where we've been but rather let's unify where we're going, and that's called vision. And I want us to be in unity around vision, not unity around nostalgia of where we've been. By all means, uh, enjoy memories from the past, but let's not unify around it. Let's unify around where we are going. Here's another thing about unity is, is we want to unify around principles not around preferences. We want to unify around principles, not around preferences. What does that mean? Well, uh, principles are things like hospitality. Hospitality is a principle in the kingdom of God. We are taught as believers that we are to extend hospitality frequently. In fact, if you're a leader uh, in leadership in a church, it is expected that you are good at and able to provide hospitality. So it's a principle, not a preference. Generosity is a principle, not a preference. It's like we don't get to choose whether to be generous or not. We are instructed to be generous people according to God's Word. Um, on the other hand, you know, a preference is things like music style. Music style is a preference. There's music I like, there's music you like, we might disagree, it's just our preferences. Um, length of service is a preference, it's not a principle, there's nowhere in the Bible that says your service must be 60 minutes or 75 minutes or 90 minutes or 300 minutes long, um, it's, a, it's a preference. And there's lots of different preferences in, in church life, but I want to say this, we don't unify around our preferences, in other words... We don't have a group, I want to have a group of people that sits around and they say, we're on the same page because we all like the same music type. Or another group of people that says, you know, we're on the same page because we like a certain length of service. No, no, no. We're going to unite around principles. We're going to unite around uh, the fact that we believe in generosity. We believe in hospitality. And those other things, you can have your preference, but we're not going to unite around them. Amen? And so uh, unity is so powerful. Now, I want to say, when it comes to unity, there are three things that we need to consider. And I've gleaned these things from Pastor Mark 
Uh, so I just want to uh, share that with you this morning. But three levels to unity. Three levels to unity that I think is going to be helpful for us to understand. Number one, number one, the first level of unity or the first principle around unity is the principle of just being together. Simply being together helps develop unity. And, uh, you know, we have just come out of a crazy couple of years, uh, not quite fully out yet, we're on the way out, where in a way, you know, we were really forced to live apart. Uh, We were forced to stay home, work at home, uh, don't socialize, don't come to church, all those different things. And I get that some of that needed to happen, and I understand that there were some reasons given to us for that. But I believe that in a way, the enemy would love to have exploited that because if he can separate us and keep us apart, then actually unity starts to take a hit. Here's what it says in Hebrews 10 verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Let's not neglect, the Bible says, our meeting together. It's like, man, being together is powerful. Being together is powerful. Um, my wife and I have celebrated 18 years of being married in December, and uh, we usually try to celebrate that in January because December's a pretty hard month to go away with everything that's going on. And so we were away for three days and two nights uh, in just a beautiful hotel in Cornwall for a couple of, couple of days. And um, we've got a great marriage. We are blessed in our marriage. But even still, being together, just the two of us for a couple of days, is so powerful. We get back together. We're able to talk and, and, and reflect and dream and uh, plan and just enjoy being together, together again in a way. And so there's something about simply being together that is powerful. And, and, and Hebrew says this, let's not neglect it as some people have, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And we know that. We know that we are one day closer to Jesus' return than we were yesterday. And Jesus is returning for his bride, a spotless bride. So being Together is like the entry, entry level of unity, amen? It's the entry level of unity. And I love the fact that despite uh, the fact that we had to spend significant periods of time apart as a church, um, that something within us and within the church around the world rose up and said, we will not be separated. We will find a way to be together. And so we discovered the power of things like Zoom. And uh, even though we were separate, we made a way to be together. We were in our homes, physically separated, but we were together. Right now, you might be watching this from any part of the UK. You might be watching this further afield. And I know that there are many of you watching that are watching every week. And you can't physically be here, but you're together with us right now in spirit. Say amen if that's you. Write it in the chat. Say, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm not physically here, but we're, I'm together with you right now in what you're doing. So togetherness, by the way, that's our fifth heartbeat. Togetherness is the entry level of 
unity. Remember, why do we want unity? Unity attracts the blessing of God. We will experience life forevermore when we walk in unity. Here's the second thing then about unity that's really important to understand is the second level, if you like, of unity is, number two, is agreement. Agreement. So it's possible to be physically together in a room and yet our hearts not be in agreement. So from the outside, it may look like here's a group of people that are together and they're in unity, but just because we're physically together doesn't mean our hearts are in agreement and we're in unity. So we gotta, we got to work hard to stay in agreement with one another and with what God is doing. Matthew 18 says this, verse 19, Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So there's something powerful that happens when two people come and are not just physically together, but their hearts are in agreement. Their hearts are aligned. Uh, that is another level of unity. Now, here's the thing. Agreement is not simply just saying, I agree. You know, um, you could say to me, Mark, could you, would you pray for this thing? And I could say, yeah, I'll pray with you. And we could say, we agree together. Um, and that's, that's all well and good. But words alone do not necessarily mean we are in agreement. In fact, the Greek word for the word agree in this instance uh, actually is the same Greek word from where we get the word symphony. Symphony. Isn't that interesting? Um, if you've ever heard a great orchestra play or just a, a great ensemble of musicians come together and make a symphony of music, it's beautiful to listen to, isn't it? Everyone plays their part. Um, not everyone's playing the exact same thing at the exact same time. Um, there, there would be no dynamic in that. There'd be no ebb and flow in that. There'd, there'd, there'd be nothing to enjoy about that. But everyone has their part to play. And when great musicians come together and they play skillfully and they play at the right time and they hit the right notes, notes that complement other notes that have been played by other instruments, we get this symphony of sound. And so if we're going to walk in unity, not only do we need to be together, but we need to be in agreement in such a way that there is a symphony of sound that is coming that is pleasant to the ear. It's like you can hear it. It's all complementing. It's all complementing. It's like what I do complements what somebody else does, complements what somebody else does, and together we get this beautiful sound. And that's the sound that God says, wow, I love that. I am going to release my blessing and life forevermore upon that sound. So agreement is more than just intellectual. It's more than just in my head, I agree. It's each of us doing our part 
in such a way that there's a symphony. Um, I would even say it like this. It's, it's when we are united in one spirit. When we are united in one spirit, it attracts the blessing of God. And, um, you know, the danger is, is uh, we can rely on how things look on the outside uh, rather than really doing the hard work of bringing agreement on the inside. It's like, you know, you might look at a marriage, you might see a man and a wife married, and from the outside, everything looks good, but behind closed doors, there's no agreement, there's no symphony of sound. And I, I pray Equippers Church that we would not be a group of people that from the outside in, it looks like everything's fine, but inside we're in turmoil. No, I pray that we're a group of people that are, that are finding our place, we're finding our flow, so that we can help contribute to this amazing uh, a symphony of sound that's going to be a real blessing. Amen? So, so that's the second level of unity. So number one is we've got to be together. We've got to work hard to be together. We can't get distracted. We can't allow ourselves to be disconnected. Number two is we've, we've got to decide that we're going to be in agreement with what God is doing. And not just intellectual, but in our spirits, we are engaged and we're committed to the sound. But, but here's the third and, and, and final level of, of unity, and it's, and it's this, it's commitment. Number three is commitment. And commitment is really, really important. Uh, it's like not the word anyone wants to hear, you've got to be committed. Uh, but commitment is so important because what happens when we are not in agreement and there's no commitment to one another. What happens is we have the option of walking away. But I want to say when we are committed to one another, we can still have moments of disagreement. We can have moments where we're not on the same page, but commitment holds us together so we can come to the table and we can talk about whatever we need to talk about. You know, it's a bit like in a family, isn't it? In, in a family, uh, you uh, grow up together, uh, but families have disagreements, they fall out. Um, I'm one of five siblings, and I can remember plenty of times when as siblings we did not agree with one another, we did not get on with one another, uh, things uh, may have been broken at times, um, things said that shouldn't have been said. But because we're committed to one another, it means we are able to come back to the table and work through our disagreements. And I believe that in the life of a church, we've got to have the same thought process. We've got to, we've got to decide if this is where God has called me to be. I'm going to commit to this group of people because then when I may disagree with something that's been said or something that's been done, I don't just immediately exit and think, well, I don't want to be here anymore, but I'm willing to come back and stick around so that I can work through the issues. And that is what I believe God blesses. God blesses us when we're able to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling right now, I've got some questions right now, but I'm committed to working this thing through so that we can come out the other side and be back into agreement. Of course, this is completely the opposite to uh, the culture that we experience in the world today, which is cancel culture. 
Cancel culture is the opposite of kingdom culture. Cancel culture says you've made a mistake, I don't agree with you, therefore I never want you in my life any longer. I cancel you. And um, I want to say that is not the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is a culture where we're committed to one another and we come back to the table and we work through what we're struggling with till we come to a place of, uh, of being able to agree again. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. The, 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 the Bible tells us, come on, when, whenever we're in a disagreement, wherever we're struggling, man, we don't just walk away. We forgive each other with tender-heartedness and we come back to the table and we work it through. So we want to work in and walk in unity uh, in a new way this year. We, we want to have a unified church. We want to have unified marriages, unified homes, unified ministries. And I pray this morning that some of those thoughts will just help you in understanding what unity is really all about. Bless you guys.